Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Elsie Escobar, a digital media strategist, a voice for women, and a yoga instructor, among many other things. How's it going, Elsie? Oh, how are you? I'm doing it's doing fantastic over here. You're not at home. You're in <laughs> no, <I'm> not Philly. <laughs> I'm in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I'm in Pittsburgh. A historic, yeah. a historic city. Historic city. I'm sorry, I love and being historic in city. city. And I, historic. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Grammar. <laughs> um, okay, so one of the primary things you're doing right now is podcasting. Yes. Absolutely. And what is what's your you have multiple podcasts. What is the first and like foremost podcast you would talk about? Uh, I would talk about she podcasts uh, is, is probably the one that I would talk about the most, which is a podcast about podcasting from the women's point of view. I guess that's the easiest way to kind of say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the podcast about podcasting, I, I have friends who do that and that it seems meta. And I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that podcasting has become such a big medium that that is a valid topic. But yours takes the special approach of being specifically about women podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like I, I, one of our, um, I, I guess, like subtitles or the way that we often talk about it is that it, it's a podcast about podcasting and 800 other things. Because that's basically what we do. You know, when we start to get when we get behind the mic, we just start to talk about almost everything. Both of us are moms. So we talk about being a mom or whatever the latest, you know, chaotic thing that has happened to us. Um, and then we touch base on a lot of different bits and pieces about podcasting, um, possibly that not a lot of people talk about. Uh, we're less tech oriented. So if you start to talk to us about microphones and things like that, we generally don't talk about all of the tech stuff because that's for us one of the reasons that we created she podcast is because it's a little bit more intimidating at times for women to get into podcasting because of the tech speak and there's a lot of questions that we used to get about microphones and how does that go into that and this go into that and um that were asked in certain i guess podcasting groups that were primarily male because it's still a, a fairly male dominated place and the answers that um, we used to get were harder to decipher than the question that we asked in the first place. So <laughs> we kind of like sift through all the stuff and make it as simple as possible for, for us to work. That's kind of how it started. And then now, whenever we get behind the microphone, we really just talk about women in media and women's issues or our, our perspective about what's happening in the space and the realities of podcasting and what it takes to put a podcast out, which is what a lot of people don't really realize. And um, we make it real because usually what happens, and I forgot to tell you this, Brett, but there is a slight possibility that there might be a time when I have to stop and deal with a child that's having some kind of problem. Um, so many times I've had to stop to go wipe a butt, which is it happens all the time or somebody hurt themselves and they're screaming and it's like, oh, my God, you should hear the outtakes. It's like. <laughs> so you don't podcast live the- then? No way. There's no <laughs> way. And see, that's the, that's like one of the things that we talk about where we attempted it. We've attempted it many different times. And in the early days, there were times when I had to move the camera up 
because I would have a child come in requesting to breastfeed as I was on. And there's no way to stop that, especially when you're being all smart and serious. Yeah. Which is what we do when we get on a podcast, right? And so I was like, okay, got to move the camera up. And I got very good at being able to continue speaking as if nothing was happening when I had a child breastfeeding. <laughs> it's the only way to keep them quiet sometimes. And so, so um, yeah, those are things that, w- that we, t- we do talk about on the show. And it's stuff that people don't generally talk about. Well, sure. <laughs> so. uh, how many... Uh, overall, how what percentage of podcasters would you say are female? Oh gosh, there's not that many of us. It used to be, I would say now, now uh, around thirty percent, thirty. To, this is just an educated guess. This is not data that I've gathered sure, sure. Yeah. anywhere. This That's is an educated for. guess. That, yeah, that is somewhere between thirty and thirty-five percent. Um, there's been a big, big, huge um, up upraise of women getting behind the mic. And, and it continues to grow, although the coverage, and this is what we talk about a lot, the coverage of women behind the mic has perhaps stayed in the same place. So, and there's tons of going of, of articles that I've seen. It's like, there aren't enough women in podcasting and we need more women's voices out there. And you have all of these women that are podcasting that are just not getting covered. They're, yeah. It's just, just not, it's not that we're not there. It's just the coverage isn't there. So I feel like that's um, a, a fairly common explanation when people say there aren't enough women here. It's that women just aren't recognized. And granted, like in the tech world, there is definitely a oh, disparity, yeah. like in mm-hmm. in percentages. But do you think that the the you you mentioned technical barriers? Mm-hmm. Do you think that is when even as a guy, if I go somewhere and ask what's the best podcasting mic? And they start talking about, you know, capsules and attenuation and condensers <laughs> and, uh, you know, XLR versus USB. And yep. I know all this stuff. I do because I was obsessed with it as a kid. Mm. But most of the people who ask me that question have the same response you're describing. Like they just want someone to simplify it and say, here are the best options on Amazon. Do you think yep. that um, there are actually a couple questions here? First, do you think that it's easier for women to just use the excuse, oh, I don't know what you're talking about? Whereas males might feel a need to go do a ton of research just to understand the response because they don't want to admit they have no <laughs> idea what like a, a, a pattern for a microphone condenser is. Oh my God. Yeah. So you're, you're totally right about this stuff because that's actually, um, some of the things that I teach, um, especially when, when we have like, we, we actually created a a thing. It's called the podcasting school for women of all things, very simple name. And, um, one of the, one of the modules that is free, you know, if you kind of sign up for it is we talk about that because it's not necessarily that we are, um, saying that women don't, they're not technically adept. It's just that we tend to not ask deeper questions. And in terms of particularly when when facing or going into podcasting, one of the things that you really have to know is how to troubleshoot and how you personally figure out when something is wrong, when, when there's a problem. So 
before you start to podcasting, you have to podcast, you have to figure out what your tendency is. Are you the type of person that somebody is going to say, like what you just mentioned, um, here's the answer. And then you're like, oh, I don't know what that is. And then you go do your research and then you kind of like come back with a better question. Or are you the type of question that's a person that's going to read that and go, um, and then go into Facebook and ask your Facebook friends. <laughs> or you just know? give so, up. That's the, or that's just the give scary up. option. Exactly. Or just give up or not or think like I this is not good enough for me. So I generally bring it into like everyday life and I say, you know, whenever or and this is when the women's thing sometimes comes into play. Are you the type of person that if your, you know, kid gets sick or you're you're researching something for your home, are you somebody that's going to be really adamant at diving deep and asking deeper and deeper questions about this? Or are you the type of person that's going to ask your mom for help and say, like, what did you do? Right. Somebody that, you know, like a friend. Or do you have somebody, do you have a support system that's constantly helping you out? Because there's a lot of people um, that live in community and that have, you know, the grandparents around and the aunts and uncles. And so you've got that help. And so you don't really have to go out. All of that is mirrored in how you make a podcast. If you happen to have like your significant other who is a whiz with all of the technical stuff, you're probably more apt to outsource it to them, you know, and be like, you take care of this. I'll do the content and you don't have to worry about it. If you have that, that's awesome. Um, If you're the type of person that does has never dealt with any kind of audio production and are super, super scared about it, then you should consider doing a little bit more work or having somebody that you can have that support from. And if you're a DIYer, like kind of like how I was, like when I first started podcasting, um, I got I was very meta right from the beginning. It's like, I, I was like, what are these podcast things and how do you make one? Like, even, you know, what does that mean? And the first book that I bought was a, an RSS for dummies book that was out. That was like the first thing that I bought because I kept hearing somebody mentioning like RSS and podcasting is based off of RSS. And I was like, what the heck is that? And so, but that was my way of seeing things is every time I get into something, I have to know like, what the the foundation of the thing and if I don't know any vocabulary terms around that I will go do the work around that so I can get better help when I'm ready Um, but most people and then even moving it away from microphones most people skip over the whole RSS feed or how to get it like they don't understand the way that it that the podcast is delivered to podcatchers they don't even know what that is sure so, yeah. Anyway, Interesting maybe fact, it, though. Uh huh. I have explained RSS to just about every female in my family. Every uh-huh. woman asks me what RSS is. Now, I know for a fact that none of the men in my family know what RSS is, but they will never really? ask. Really? Oh, my gosh. My, my well, family is that. not overall computer-oriented. Uh, my brother's an artist. My dad's an engineer, but, you know, like, He's old enough that most of his career has been on paper and draft boards. Um, he he can use AutoCAD and everything. He's he's good with what he does, but I feel like the men in my family just if they don't understand something, they just let it go. But the the women always they're like, oh, so what's RSS? They have the curiosity. They're willing to ask. Mm. So I, I love I, that. I, well, I think that's like both good and bad. 
And I think that, I mean, bad for the men, I think. Um, <laughs> but do, do you think that providing a very women-centric resource the way you do has made an impact? Do you feel it's successful? Oh, yeah. It, I'm a, I'm kind of amazed by it because we have every type of woman in in our in the group like it's not like everybody all of all obviously obviously all of us are the same right I mean aren't the same we, we all have different you know things that we're better at than other people and the incredible thing about the community itself which is by and large happens inside of a Facebook group which is a challenge to to some degree because it is a proprietary place right um but it it seems to have grown because it's really hard to break patterns of behavior and consumption and things that we do every single day, particularly with people that now have uh, Facebook as part of their lives. There's a lot of people that have that happen. And it's only like certain parts inside of the online world that are a little bit more on the fringy parts that are attempting or trying to engage in different ways, sort of like Slack, um, where that's become like a a, a cool place to sort of like hang out and build community in uh, rather than Facebook. But we attempted it. I actually created a, a, a She Podcast Slack group and it's dead. <laughs> Nobody's coming there. I don't know um, if that's your fault. I'm in no, like, uh, 10 dead Slack channels right now. Yeah. And I think that, and then we start, well, we started it a long time ago and I, yes. And of course it, it depends on so many different things. I get that. But with the Facebook group, it just seems like it's easier. It's like right there. And and so we do have women who have been podcasting for over 10 years that have been in, 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 in and out in the, in the industry. We have a lot of women who are audio editors. We have a lot of women who have been, um, you know, working in a variety of different levels within the podcasting space. And we also have people who come in and like, are just barely, oh my gosh, they just come in and like, we have a, po this, this post drives me bananas. I'm starting a podcast. What do you guys think are the best, the first things or the first resources that I need to have in the next week? You know, I'm like, oh Jesus, <laughs> you know, it's so, it's such an open-ended thing and we all have different experiences. So, um, so then we have the total, total newbies that, that really don't have a clue about almost anything. Zip, Zippo. They just, they've heard podcasting is cool and they want to do that thing. So there's a, a vast difference in there. And what's incredible is the support that they get in the group is unbelievable. And the kindness and the open heartedness and the the willingness of a lot of us to to really break things down in a super super generous way and one of the reasons we started it is because in all what at least my personal experience inside of the majority of the podcast groups that are out there that are just open there is a sense of um a little bit of a negative negative thing negative connotation a lot of criticism and I've only felt really stressed out after I've asked a question or have tried to be helpful in some of those groups and so I thought like going into the she podcast group is really my happy place I get an opportunity to just be happy about podcasting and talk about podcasting stuff and um, you know conversations that I want to have 
around the space and what they think about this new thing or this new tool or did you know this or did you know that? And it's and most people are really open to having a discussion and it's really love. It, it really is a lovely place to go. <laughs> Do you remember um, the jump between what was called Web 1.0 and Web 2.0? Yes. Whereas Web 1.0 was purely uh, one directional content providers providing feedback or providing information to users. But then Web 2.0 became about conversation and mm-hmm. interaction. Do you think that's going to happen in the podcasting world where the communities become as important as the the content? It's 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 what I truly adore about podcasting. At least it is the number one thing that um at least from my perspective makes or breaks a podcast. Um you know with with the she podcast has the community in like I said inside of the Facebook group and it was funny because the podcast came out of the community. So um, as soon as it launched, as soon as it was created, um, there started to be a conversation inside of the community that requested, is there a podcast that's just for women podcasters? And it was just a conversation of possibly, you know, 50 or so women that started in that group. And then we thought, um, my co-host, Jessica Kufferman and myself, we just decided to kind of were like, let's do it. They're wanting it. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, and we just kind of came up with the She Podcast. It used to be like uh, called the Women in Podcasting Group or Women Who Podcast Group, something like that. And then we sort of changed the name to just to be She Podcast and we launched the show. And so it's sort of two it's like a complimentary thing to the community, but it's not the sole thing. The community itself is actually much bigger and it's meant a lot to a lot of women. Um, and the podcast is sort of secondary. Uh, there's another podcast that I produce too, and it's about podcasting again, but I am the community manager over at Libsyn, which is um, the largest podcast host and distribution network since 2004. And um, the you know I decided to create that podcast because obviously we're a podcasting company. We host people's files and we needed to have a way to get a lot of like, sort of like in our, or on our own internal news, you know, updates, things like that to the community. But at the same time, continue. I I think what we see in the podcasting space is that there's a lot of people who are wanting to podcast now. So there's a huge, like, yay, new people. And then there's the oldies but goodies who are steady, still going at it, you know, six years and plus who are steady and they'll be podcasting for the rest of their lives, hopefully. And then there's the the middle part, which generally goes away. So you start podcasting and in my experience, like you hit around, you know, possibly about a year and a half or a milestone. Milestones are huge for people taking inventory and quitting. <laughs> so yeah, that makes you sense. hit your 100, you know, you hit your 100th episode or, you know, you've been podcasting for two years and then you like die off. And so that the reason that podcast, the, the feed, it's called the feed was started is because we wanted to keep people podcasting, of course, to serve the podcasting community, but also it's a, it's a, a, com- a company podcast. So it behooves us for people to continue podcasting because it's 
what we make that you know the company makes money <laughs> off of a that financial stuff. a financial motivation for that exactly so helping people get through those hurdles and continue to be inspired by the conversations that they're having or to refine the way that they are doing what they're doing or to get better tips or and all that stuff and so our the podcast actually thrives on the community conversation we get so much feedback per episode it's out of control um we have we sometimes are like, oh, we haven't gotten much. And we end up talking forever because we have people send in voice feedback. We have people emailing specific questions. Um, I try to promote as many podcasters as I can, um, promotion, things like that. So people love to hear themselves on the show. And also there is a comprehensive thing that happens through all of us because they feel like they're part of something bigger. And that's what keeps you podcasting. So for me... I do feel that community is is an essential pulse to keeping people podcasting. I need a community. How do I start it? <laughs> I well, think I, telling I, them like I yeah. I am I ramped up very quickly in the number of listeners I have weekly. Right. Um but then it plateaued and it's never dropped. Mm-hmm. But it's basically for a year now I've had the same download stats and I think Part of it is there's no community. I'm just, I, I talk and then I send it out. And I hear from people, like people email me frequently, but it's not right. a community. It's just me responding to individual people. So what would be the best way for me to start making a systematic community? I think that, oh gosh, I love, by the way, I love your show. I remember I was so excited when you first launched I've been a fan of yours for such a long time. It's nuts. Been, and so I do know, I know it's crazy. I'm a little obsessed with, <laughs> with you. But, um, but here's the thing, though. I think that part of it is that you do make yourself so accessible. And because of that, my interactions with you have never been too many. There's been like bits and pieces here and there where I'd reach out to you about Envy Alt or something you put on Twitter or, you know, and eventually we became friends on Facebook. Like it's been like a, it's an ongoing relationship we have here from a sort of like a standoffish kind of place. (laughs) And that because I am, I, I figure that the reason that I am so passionate about podcasting is because of the relationships that I have built with podcasting friends and um, my experience in listening to podcasts. So what I advise on when I listen is that one of the first things that I need as a listener is a real clear way to contact you and for you to keep reminding me to do that and how to do it. So sometimes it's as easy as putting your email address on your sh- in your show notes and stuff like that so I can very easy tap through because as of now, gosh darn it, 80 plus, it's gone over 80 plus percent that people are consuming podcasts via mobile. That's like... Sure out of control so making it super easy for your people to contact you right away within an app it's one of the easiest thing ever to do and so like that's a simple simple hack like just putting your email address like right at the top of the show notes so that people can tap it as soon as they look inside the show notes of the podcast app of choice that's something you can tell them to do and also having things like a, a number, and I know that that's super old school. Especially, we still use uh, yeah, Google Voice to do that kind of stuff for for the for at least for the feed. Not very many people use it as much because they tend to email us a lot more. But it's it, it, again, it's a it's a easy tap, and then all of a sudden you call and you leave a message, and it's 
easy for that to happen. And the next thing that we do is we just we answer the questions online. You know, we just say, hey, so-and-so, you know, Elsie from Pittsburgh, she just called and she asked this question about XYZ and this is what happened. And it's really just about mentioning. It's not about a highlighting necessarily, just mentioning that this happened or this conversation. And we do this a lot for She Podcast. This conversation happened on the She Podcast group and it was about X, Y, and Z. And that made us think about this. And then we mentioned who said what and what was said and how it was said and what the responses were so that there is um, a, a verbal uh, sharing uh, that there is this conversation happening for um, this happens a lot. And it's really easy. Like, um, I don't know. Do you know the Pen Addict podcast from yeah, Relay FM? Actually, I do. Okay. All right. So Which they is don't surprising for, for me to know. About it, but I yes. know. How, how do you know that? No, but anyway, so, you know, they have a, a Pen Addict community that is not necessarily pushed. It's not something that they're, constantly talking about but they will offhanded will say like well yeah and that you know i i just posted this in the in the pen addict um community on slack and it was about you know this new pen that i created or that that we put on kickstarter or the bag that they were just doing something like that and they just said like yeah we just put it in there and those guys totally ate it up they you know they sold it you know the campaign was sold for you know 50 percent of it blah 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 and so then you're like oh there's a community yeah. Oh, who knew? I want to join. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and then put that in the show notes. And it's as simple as that. And it's it's totally offhanded. The more that you hear it, the more that you want to be part of it. Uh, that's how it's it's like repetition is huge for in the podcasting space, which is what I think, you know, people are advertising and things like that. The more you hear it, the more you'll step into it and the more that you'll want to participate well, in you it. You want to know what the most common tweet I get is? What is it? It's systematic. It's the most expensive podcast I listen to because I, I end know. up buying two pieces of software every time. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm telling, it's like I write notes, like, you know, with the top tips, the top, you know, the, the, the tip things at the end. Yeah, the top three it's tricks. like, it, it's so fa fantastic. And so you have to like write all that stuff down because sometimes it's not even you, it's your guest. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know what that, that, that was cool. But it's, it's because we trust you and it's because of the conversation around the thing. So even if I'm talking about something that's so individual to me, let's say I'm talking about, I don't know, the type of hairbrush that I like for my hair. If you, Brett, ask me a really interesting question about my hairbrush or you say like, well, why is it so special? <laughs> and I can, and I will let you know, then all of a sudden people go like, oh yeah, that's a cool hair. Oh, okay. I'll put that down. <laughs> you know? I will so say it's expensive for me to do too, because I do buy so many things that my guests mention. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it, most of my stuff comes from tips from guests. Hmm. Yeah. So if you th if you think about that and also another metric that perhaps you can maybe from you can I think I always I always check for personal experience. What makes it the easiest for me to go get the thing that they mentioned? What is it the easiest? Like how long does it take me to do it? I got to say that there's been times, you know, gosh, years. It took years for me to become an Audible subscriber. Um it took quite a while for me to purchase something like um, Omni Outliner or 
you know, any of the stuff from the Omni group, because those are big purchases, you know, that's a pretty yeah. big uh, investment in a piece of software. <laughs> and so, you know, and so it's not something you're going to like off the cuff, just go get. So there has to be a level of education that happens around those pieces of software uh, that you have to address. Like, is this really going to work for me? Um, because if not, you're going to have dissatisfied customers that are going to be buying something like that and they're just going to have and they're not going to use. So you have to have that education as part of the process of getting people to take action with you. Uh, and that's way th when the advertisers will know and they'll understand the type of things that work. And then coming back again to your show notes, coming back again to like landing pages such as, you know, um, I don't know if you have, do you, ha you don't do systematic.com, do you? I actually you just do I own system, systemcast.net, but I've, I haven't implemented okay. it yet. Because, it, and yeah, do you use Squarespace? I haven't checked on this. You do use Squarespace, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes and okay. it's on Squarespace. Okay. So, so there's like something that I like, the, one of the only plugins, because I really don't like WordPress at all. I don't like to work <laughs> on WordPress. I have my own Squarespace site that is completely and utterly not used because I don't have time. I'm so busy creating podcasts. And so, <laughs> but there is one plugin that I love from WordPress that really makes this easy, specifically for podcasters. And it's called Pretty Link. Have you heard of this no. before? So Pretty Link, what it does is it masks URLs, long URLs, and it makes them pretty. So if um, things like, like um, uh, a direct link to your iTunes page, it's huge, right? It's yeah. like this gigantic, it's just insane. So Pretty Link is basically kind of what Bitly does. Sure. It like short, it's a URL shortener, but you can make it nice so that you don't have to remember all the different letters. Mm -hmm. So let's say um, she, right now, so we're doing this event coming up in February. This just popped into my head. It's called Pod Fusion. So instead of sending them to the page, which is hosted by PodFest, we just say, go to shepodcast.com slash podfusion, one word. And then if you type that in, it directs, it auto directs it or it takes it to whatever it is that your, that, that landing page is. And what's lovely about Pretty Link is that you can change the landing page. So you can go in, um, we do a, a you know, a, like a how to podcast sort of thing for Libsyn. And, um, we used to have it in, we, the, the pretty link, um, you are a, a pretty link. Oh, uh, what do you call that thing? Why? I just drew a blank on it. The plugin, sorry. The plugin. <laughs> oh my God. Was taken away by our web guy. So he destroyed my ability to do this and I'm very sad, but I used to have things redirect to like, if I said libsyn.com slash iOS, then you would get our iOS app for the feed. Or if I said libsyn.com slash Android, you would go get the Android app instead of landing, you know, having to say something different. So it's really easy for me to say things. So for podcasters, it's really important because the more you say those URLs, the more you remember them. Um, and that way you don't have to click through. You don't have to go click in the show notes. You could be walking around and go like, oh yeah, what did Brett say? He said to go to... And then if it's a simple URL to remember, and you can change the URL it lands on, which is so fun. 
just to be fair, I, I do yeah. this with uh, just editing my Apache HTXS file, which I know oh. takes a certain level of... <laughs> Adept, adept knowledge, yes, things that happen in like the back end. BrettTurpshire.com yes. slash systematic does go to the landing page, and I could easily expand that to be like guess like slash systematic slash LC or yeah. slash systematic slash Squarespace if they ever sponsored me. Yeah. yeah. And see, huh. that would be really easy for people to kind of track or remember. And that's something that, that you can also track. There's stuff that I also tell podcasters to figure out how engaged their audience is, is to only mention stuff inside of the podcast. Um, and, and the show notes that are on the phone. So uh, meaning that RSS feed that lands on inside of the phone, um, the one that's being pulled inside of iTunes, because that way you know, wow, so only 20 people click through that. Huh, I wonder how I can change that. Or, wow, I'm not getting, or wow, there's so many people who are clicking on that. Who knew? Right? Yeah. So for our, our advertisers, that's what I do. I use Pretty Link to, like, the, the, the um, URL that's hotlinked inside of our show notes. I can then deliver those stats to our advertisers at the end to say, like, you got all of these click-throughs just from us mentioning you on the show and their show notes. These are the show notes links. This is, um, you're giving me so many, like, smack my forehead moments right now. <laughs> I'm glad I asked this question. Well, good. And so, and I create, like, I create different pretty links for the tweets that I put out to because part of people who, who come and advertise for our show for she podcasts, you know, one of our biggest influence places is our Facebook page. I'm sorry, our Facebook group, not the page. The page is like, it has very little engagement. We kind of don't care, but the group <laughs> is like really powerful. The group is insane. So when you, when you, you know, buy like three months of host of, of sponsorship with us, then you get exposed to the 4,000 plus women podcasters who are very specific type. You know, you can kind of get, you can kind of guess the type of woman who would decide to do something like this and be part of the community. So you get like, you know, a couple, like you get a, a post a, a week inside of the group. And then we also add some tweets that go out of our She Podcast um, Twitter account. And those are also different links that I can track so that I can show the advertisers these are how many people came from these places to check you out. So, and what I like to do in the group is that I encourage conversation around stuff. We have one of our sponsors is obviously it's editing software, not, not editing software, but support for podcasters. Like somebody else makes their show notes, like when you outsource stuff. Yeah. So instead of going like, hey, go with these people to, you know, edit your podcast, we will ask something like, what's the hardest thing about editing your podcast that you that you have? And so the conversation begins and then we encourage the the advertiser to come join in the conversation and talk to them. So it's super easy. It's a super easy ROI for them because they see that the conversation is happening. They easily have sales because they're there providing a service and they're accessible and they're willing to participate in the community. So for that, it's like bonus. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I have a lot of work to do after this ends. Um, <laughs> I, I, a Slack channel would be an amazing thing for. Okay. So enough about systematic. Let, okay. <laughs> let's move on. 
Um, so, okay. So you, you, you podcast, you're good at it. You, you understand the market. Another thing you do, which I knew you. Okay. So I just realized a little bit ago that I don't follow you on Twitter, which was weird to me because we interact fairly often on Twitter. Yeah. Or but that at the very the least I see, you know, your name pop up in likes and retweets and things. Um, uh-huh. and I was surprised to see that I wasn't reciprocating, but, um, <laughs> Uh, it's all right. I do follow you now. But uh, <laughs> I have always known you primarily as a yoga person. Yeah. Which now that we're talking feels very... Weird, huh? <laughs> it does. Like Dude. it's a very secondary thing to you. But all of your, like, your handle and email address and things are all like yogic and yoga centric. Yes. So I feel like it is a part of your life. What it's is your huge. connection to yoga? Well, it it's 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 my life. I live it. You know, it's like it's interesting because there's a it's it, I can't not do it. I can't not that knowledge is so intrinsic in the way that I live that I there's no way to, to pull it apart. Like so there's the physical practice which is what most people kind of know, right? It's the postures and stuff, which are great and they're amazing. Um, and that's actually how I got into yoga because of the postures. It was really, you know, for the type A type person that I, that I was at that time in LA, cause I li- used to live in LA. Um, I needed it and it gave me so, uh, a foundation of many different things that I thought I needed a lot of. And, um, it empowered my body. It made me really strong in a lot of different ways. And, um, it became a huge part of my life, huge in the way that I thought about things. The philosophy is just amazing once you start to get a little bit deeper into it. And then I sort of moved away from my little hub in L.A. where I was basically me, 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 me <laughs> into a, you know, you relationality. Yes, <laughs> of course. And the, how cute I am on my bike with my leg warmers part of my life. <laughs> And so, and then I moved, actually, you know, I fell in love and I moved to Pittsburgh, which was a shock to my system, which is, I am, you know, a sun girl. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually from uh, Central America. And so I am a j- j- jungles and warmth and heat are part of my DNA. Moving to Pittsburgh, which is not sunny and cold, dark and cold and cold. So it was a huge wake up call. Cold twice. And then, oh my God, cold twice, more than twice. And then I had babies and all of the yoga learning is the thing that kept me afloat because I wasn't able to do any of the stuff that I was able to do before, which was go to classes all the time. And I was outside and it was sunny and I was strong and I ate all the good food that I could from my body. And then all of a sudden life was in my face where it was like, how do you even keep your head above water? When I haven't been sleeping, I'm trying to work with babies and they're doing things I've never, I don't even know how to do this and I don't have any support. I mean, obviously my partner is supporting me, but um, my family is not around. Like it was just such a challenge. Sure. And it was the breathing practices and my ability to understand the interconnectedness of things that was helped me. It helped me become more grounded, and it it gave me the tools to be a much better teacher um, to my students. 
because there was a deeper understanding of what is necess- it, it's what is what is the necessity for them to know when they're coming to my classes. That yes, the strength and the practices of the the body and all that stuff is is great. But there's this other layer that is so important because when push comes to shove, all you have is your breath. So in your Yes, go ahead. You learned this. You learned this accidentally, though. Like you got into it. Because, oh my god! Yeah, yeah me too. It, yeah, I, I, I take it from previous comments that you know my my recent relationship with yoga. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was. I wasn't actually surprised to hear from you after I started posting <laughs> about that. But yeah, like w- when when I first became aware of you, I I did not know anything about yoga. I got into it after physical therapy. I got into it because I thought it would be good for my body. Mm -hmm. And you are absolutely right. The one, the biggest benefit I have gotten from yoga is breathing. Mm -hmm. As I learned to associate breathing with physical movement, as I began to associate breathing with mental wellness, Mm -hmm. like everything started to change for me. It's become second nature already. After just like six months of doing this, I automatically find myself without even thinking going into like Ujjayi breath and and dealing with situations by breathing first. It has been a kind of major for me and, and obviously a ton of other benefits. But yeah, that's it. And I did not go into it with the intention of having any of those benefits, but it kept yeah, me there. I- yeah, it's like that's exactly it basically is exactly what happened with me as well. I did I completely went in it just because of the of the physical, which is again, there's nothing to take away from it because it's amazing. But my shoulders have gotten so much bigger from um uh Cataranda and uh Forest in general that I don't fit into a lot of suits even though I've lost enough weight that mm-hmm. the jackets fit. My shoulders don't yep. fit anymore. So there is a yep. definite physical benefit. To yeah, it. there is. There's a huge benefit to it. And it's a different type of, of um, I frame, too. It's not, it's, it, it's, it's night. I, I feel it's leaner, longer. It's a el- elongated um, shift in the body. Um, it's also based upon your current weight. So a lot of the muscles that you build are based upon your own weight sure. when you're doing things like chaturanga or when you're doing all that stuff, <clears throat> it's based on your ability to carry your whatever your frame is at that moment. So I believe the way that the muscles develop are optimal for you. And that's incredibly powerful. So and the breathing part of it is essential. It's it's interesting because. You know, I, I I did teach yoga for a living. Like I was making a very good living when I was in L.A. I was teaching yoga full time at studios and I was, you know, that kind of stuff. Before it was actually super, super even more cool than it is now. So I was it wasn't quite as cool when I started to teach like that. And um, I found myself really getting really focused on the one on one work when people used to hire me for privates. The majority of people that came to me for the privates were all about something more. And that's where I really relish. I have um, an ongoing client that I see every single time I come into Pittsburgh. And I've been seeing him now for, oh gosh, uh, probably like five years. Um, And he is a CEO of a company. He started doing yoga with me 
so he's never well, now he's had other teachers because he goes to public classes but um we started with the breath like you don't come to me and then I don't start to make you do all these different postures because there was a man that was coming to me with some serious physical issues in his body in his shoulders and his legs um in his belly he was telling me he was having you know digestive issues and whatnot and we really just talked about the breath and that's what we worked in simple simple stretches simple, simple lengthening, simple, simple stuff. And the type of transformation the man had was out of control where I was just like, I, and I, and sometimes I feel like crazy cause I like move back from people thinking that it's me, but it's not me. It's you, dude, you are breathing. That's what breath does. When you breathe like that, that's because it's awesome. I'm just letting you know how awesome it is. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> so. no, I, I get it. Like my instructors understood, like I went in there with a lot of pain. I was just out of physical therapy. And basically the ultimate problem was my core strength had degraded to a point where the rest of my body was taking way too much stress. And I went in there and I was doing the poses and, you know, they'd be like, all right, now inhale into this pose, exhale into this position. And, I, I, I tried, but I was, I wasn't focusing on that aspect of it. And uh-huh. as I did, and as I started to pay attention to which part of my bodies were, which part of my body was holding me in a pose and began to realize that I was stressing out, take bridge, for example, like a, just a basic, you know, it's, it should be a leg centric position but I was holding my neck and my shoulders tight and I was mm. turning it into something it wasn't. And therefore, when I, be, when I began to let go of the muscles that weren't necessary for a position, everything got so much easier and oh, yeah. more beneficial. And a big part of that is just learning to breathe through and to breathe into areas of my body. And then as I exhale release things and like i'm an atheist i don't get into spirituality of all of this mm-hmm. and but i but it's all translatable like all of oh, this yeah. is healthy stuff and yep. it translates to the rest of your life too it's crazy it's insane i remember one of my teachers like what he would say you know when i started to, i had amazing teachers you know my teachers are like oh incredible teachers and um you know, I've had really the grace to be able to work with so many different types of people. And my favorite are beginners. Like that's where I thrive. I thrive the first time getting somebody to do something or to feel what you're talking about. And I don't have like a yoga voice. Like, I mean, I do when I'm relaxing you, I will turn into my, you know, I will let my voice do that. But for the most part, as excited as you hear me talk about the podcasting stuff or even this stuff that I'm talking with you about right now, that's how I teach. So, it's it, I'm really engaged and I'm incredibly energized doing this stuff. And my teacher would say, whenever you don't know what to do, because what used to happen is I would sit at the seat of the teacher and people would come in and I had an idea of what I wanted to teach. And all of a sudden I have like, you know, a 60 year old woman recovering from breast cancer. All of a sudden I had like, you know, the jock who blew out his knee. And then I had like a new, you know, teenage girl who is like floppy as all get out, like all in one group. And I was like, how in the heck, what am I going to teach? Right. Cause it's Jesus. I don't know. And so, and then I would hear my teacher's voice in my head saying, as long as you teach the pulse, 
inhale and exhale. And it's the pulse. It's that larger pulse, whatever that is, drawing in, extending back out. That's it. You pull in, you extend out. It's that dynamic opposite. If you can allow a student to leave the class understanding that, you've done your work. So it's just the knowing that there's an inhale and there's an exhale. (laughs) And I know that that seems so subtle, but it's, I mean, so simple. And at times, like, really, we all know that. But no, dude, like, really, that you really understand the difference between both. And when you're not doing it, because there's a lot of people who don't know they're holding their breath. Or that there is uh, attention to more more attention in inhales and than exhales, and you don't know what it's like to fully let go. Like, what does that even mean for a lot of people? They don't even get it. Well, and, and so and you don't at first. Like, you're so, right. Someone yeah. coming in first time, that that means nothing. Nope. Yeah. It doesn't. And part of it is I, you as a student in the same way, and that's why like whenever I teach any of the podcasting stuff, particularly with the voice stuff, I always bring this yoga stuff into it because for me, it's the same thing. It's the same pulse. So talking about the, you know, the microphone, and I know this is super kind of crazy woo-woo stuff, but whenever you start to deal with technology, you start to work with the technology and you're you talking about technology or you figuring out technology or you dealing with problems that arise, if that makes you contract and stop breathing, it's going to suck no matter what. Yeah. So you have to understand like in what ways, what are the choices that I can make in my technology, whatever that is to podcast that are going to allow me to both inhale and exhale rather than just hold my breath and be all tense because if you don't know how to do that, you're not going to keep podcasting and it's going to suck for yeah. you. My friends who are any version of spiritual always preface, they modulate what they say to me. They're like, all right, now this is going to sound flaky or this is going to sound woo-woo. Right. Yeah. My brain is very adept at adapting um, what I would consider you know, mythology or uh more abstract concepts into things that are actually practical and Mm -hmm. every time someone starts a sentence with now this is going to sound (laughs) woo-woo they're wrong because what i hear is something very practical and 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 something that i can apply without you know thinking about transcended beings and (laughs) alternate planets whatever like yeah the the concepts there are they're practical. They they work for me. And I've I've learned a lot from sentences that start with this is gonna be flaky. This is gonna sound woo woo. Yeah, like <laughs> kind of crazy. And you know what's interesting is that it is in that it is in your as a teacher, like, you know, for, for you as a teacher of what you do in your life, both for yourself and for other people and for, for me or for anybody else that is a amazing teacher, they are able to the key to that is to being able to take these universal concepts and apply them to the specifics and vice versa. So can you, as a teacher of whatever it is, take this larger concept of something like 
the pulse of the universe in contracting and expanding, right? Can you take that concept and make it into something tangible and specific so that the student understands the universality of it, which is like mind blowing. And it also goes, it also goes the other way around. Can you teach something so specific like an inhale and an exhale and have that understanding then be a universal understanding across everything else that you do, as even using computers and being able to get support. And, you know, and how can you have that transcendence? And the, you know, the key to being an advanced practitioner is your ability to see those connections. Because when we start to pull apart and see like that's all, that only happens in that space. That only happens here. That whenever we start to push away and separate that's that's whenever we don't get it. It's when we have that judgment. So it's when you see it all together that it starts to make sense. And then you kind of go like, oh, yeah. And that just because that's like not it's just it's truth. That's just truth. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I have friends who are energy workers, which is a you know weird concept for me. Right. But I, I buy into the results. I buy into the idea that at least within a single person. The universal thing of energy mm-hmm. uh, is, I consider it a mystery. I don't consider mm-hmm. it a fallacy, um, but it's intriguing. Anyway, so this leads into, though, uh, something that you mentioned to me early on, which was, I'm going to mispronounce it because I don't know what this is, but Ayurveda? Yeah. No, you did it right. Ayurveda. Woohoo. Yes. Woohoo. You did it. What so Ayurveda. This? Ayurveda is the sister science of yoga, the medical side. Okay. So it's sort of like it is, yeah, it's the medical side of stuff, of how you live your life. So Ayurveda is the science of life. So you apply some, yoga is part of the equation, but Ayurveda is based on uh, kind of like, at the elements it's it it does it kind of aligns with chinese uh, medicine in a way there are some things that are very very parallel but the basic concept is that like attracts like and you know unlike repels you know so let's say you're having an issue when you're co- like this is the simplest thing if you're super cold all the time then i'm a minister i would yeah, no, I, yeah, right. But what I'm saying, yeah. So in order to stop the cold, you would, what would you do? You would wear more clothes. You will turn up the heat. You will drink tea or warm soups or hot food, right? Yeah. So that means that it's the, the opposite's going to bring that balance to it. So if you're cold, you wouldn't necessarily go get ice cream or drink <laughs> iced tea because that will exacerbate the cold. Yes. Okay. Right. So it, it's basically, it, it's as basic as that. And so um, Ayurveda does a lot of stuff with food. Food and the digestive tract are actually the key to finding uh, the health in your body. So there's a lot of questions whenever you go see an Ayurvedic pr- practitioner. One of the first things that they ask you is like, what kind, what's your diet like? And you just kind of tell them the type of things that you eat. Uh, and they also will ask you, how's, how are your bowel movements and what type of bowel movements do you have? Um, and describe them, which is interesting. 
And also, uh, they will talk about the type of day and what um, what are your habitual patterns of your day, like the times that you wake up, the times that you go to sleep, how much sleep you have, that kind of stuff. Because basically, what they were they're going to try to attempt to do is to see where the imbalances are in your life, so that you can then make the choices that are going to give you. Um, the benefit of what you're looking for. So let's let's just take it to the cold part, you know, and then they will say like, you're really cold all the time. Yes, you're cold all the time. Like your hands and feet are super cold all the time. Yes. What are your stool likes? Oh, I kind of don't poop very much. Really? It's really hard for you to poop. Yeah. And what have you been eating a lot of? Oh, lots of grapes. I eat lots of grapes. I like fruit a lot. Okay. So, you know, and so you can start to ask these questions and then what they would say to you is they would go stop eating grapes because grapes are very cooling and they will make you cold. So I would suggest you eating things that are more cooked and more full of oily uh, things in it, like good fats, because fat actually really covers the body. As you know, fat is the layer that keeps things warm. So having that inside of your body is really great. Also, how's your skin? Is your skin dry? Um, yes, it is very dry. Well, then in order to stop that, you need to put some oil on the outside of your body too, because that's going to really help with keeping the heat inside of your body. And it's also going to ground you so that you're able to go to sleep better. And then you go, what? Right. And you kind of doubt all this stuff. Holy crap. I can't believe this is happening. And then you try it and then you go, oh my God, it totally works. Super simple stuff. This is this is intriguing. So I, know. I mean a lot of this is, you know, very common sense yes. stuff. But a lot of it is considered pseudoscience. And I yes. don't I'm I'm I don't have studies oh, to, you know, show effectiveness no. here. But nope. uh there don't appear to be studies that consider it like a medical um truth. But no. having said that I do. I go see most of my uh, chiropractic and medical, medical, and I've been given acupuncture not by like request, but um, all of these things have proven to have benefit. And my scientific mind looks for um, wh- why would this translate into? And you know, is it psychological? Did I just want this to work so it? It, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, I feel a lot of this stuff does have, in addition to the very common sense roots of it, uh, some actual practicality that we haven't actually discovered as a medically proven method yet. Yeah. Do you, I, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, 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 no. You finish, finish up to you. Well, I'm curious, like, what is the relationship to yoga? The relationship to yoga is that um, in the same way that you, you know, whenever you start to practice uh, and you do the types of practices that you have, like you start, there's a certain beginning in a yoga, a physical practice. Whenever you start to do stuff, you get a lot of endorphin releases. So you do get a lot of like, whoa, this is amazing because you're basically cleaning house. You are moving your body in a way that has been basically moving in the same way for a lot of times. All of these postures, there's a method to these postures. It's not like they just randomly arrived. Like there are certain ones that are have 
you know, key energetic mechanisms inside of them. As I know that you've gone into acupuncture and things like that. And so there are some of these postures that have built in um, stimulation of certain energetic points in your body. And it's sort of like somebody putting a needle in you, but you are actively engaged in the process, like you're doing stuff so that it stimulates certain parts of your bodies. Some to some people more than to others. And when you're a beginner, it actually happens faster because you're sort of like your body has been in this like contracted state. So you don't know the, the your mobility, your ability to open up. So it kind of like just creates space. It's sort of like when you clean up your room, you you know, or when you purge stuff inside of your room where all of a sudden the energy opens up and you're like, wow, I feel so much better working here than I do there. I know that we've all had that experience where it's like, why is it that I can do more work here and not there? There's something spatially or around that is helping your brain relax or release or focus, whatever that might be. So um, that's kind of what yoga does. And at first, it's a huge, it's huge. Then it starts to change a little bit. You plateau, sort of like your download numbers. You plateau. <laughs> you plateau in the middle, and it starts to become sort of like, oh, okay, I got to go to yoga class. But you're not getting that hit anymore. That hit's not coming because now you have to work harder. That doesn't mean that you have to do the postures harder. That means that now there's a, it, the practice is asking you to step deeper so that you're now going to a more subtle understanding of the practice. And that takes a lot of work. It means you have to focus more. It means that you have to sustain more. It means that you have to be more clear about every action. So instead of your teacher saying, extend your arms absolutely straight, it would be more like, you know, make sure that your bicep muscle is really lengthening all the way through the center of the, of your elbow. Yeah. And make sure that the top of your hand and the bottom of your hand are extended equally. Make sure that even like that wrist, the wrist is like guiding right there. It doesn't break. Your hand's not up. Your hand's not down. You're extending out as much as you can. And you're like extending out. You, you won't understand that until you understand what an arm straight is first. Because <laughs> if you don't know what that is, you're not going to get to the subtle. So anyway, you'll be able to then hear a teacher teachings in a more subtle realm. So you keep going that way. Now, the Ayurveda part of it is that it adds a component to that so that you can make better choices in the practice, such as um, there are certain uh, postures like forward folds are very cooling and calming. Essentially, they they draw your energy inward. They tend to be um, more calming for your brain. Um, back bends tend to be more energizing, more opening. They're more stimulating to the heart physically because the, all of that chest area is being expanded all the time. So inherently they have these things. So I would say, you know, if you're trying to go to sleep, doing back bends is not the thing you're supposed to do. Right. right. So Ayurveda will kind of bring that concept into fruition there. So you'll start to see like, oh, these postures are better served at the beginning of the day instead of at the end of the day. And through the day, there's there's different energies that happen. That's why there's like, you know, the 12, like, you know, in the afternoon, everybody naps thing. Like that's a, that's an energy, that actually is an energetic thing that the universe has out there. And I'm not talking about universes and like aliens. I'm talking about that's just what happens in the nature. 
Most yeah. people nap. It's just, it's, it, it's a natural thing. Or you wake up early in the morning. And so whenever you start to in, inhibit these natural rhythms that we're completely disconnected from because our lives now are no longer, you can no longer go out. Like you, we were talking about um, skills, you know, before we, we started to record about survival skills. There is an element of understanding time when you're outside with the environment to know inherently, oh, it's time for me to turn the, you know, to, to light my fire. It's time to go to sleep. It's time to wake up. That it has nothing to do with alarm clocks or anything like that. We've completely disconnected from that. So Ayurveda kind of takes you back into those rhythms simply by paying attention, by trying some practices like waking up in the morning early and going to sleep by a certain time at night. Uh, try that. Um, not eating after, uh, no, you're not eating after six o'clock or something like that and noticing the difference uh, in your body in terms of your sleep patterns. Stuff like that where you can test it out. Go ahead. Yeah, no, the, the, the most interesting part of this to me is like I've become obsessed lately with uh, the quantified self idea where I do, I, I, you know, I'm super productive or I can run way farther than usual. Why? And mm. I want to like quantify all of the things that led to this and things mm -hmm. that I wouldn't normally consider. Like, you know, what, you know, what time did I eat? How much did I eat? What did, what did I, what activities did I perform hours before that might have led to this mm -hmm. and trying to, I am really bad at that stuff. Like I will have, you know, a horrible headache and not realize the obvious cause of it, you know, like whatever I did an hour before, let alone what I did the day before. So I right. started working on recording and understanding these correlations, which actually I think yoga may have yoga and what I'm now realizing is Ayurveda um, mm -hmm. may have revealed to me these kind of uh, less obvious connections between the things I do and the things I feel. Yeah. It's simple. As a mom, I have to say that um, I've paid, I've paid by not helping my girls be optimally in this space of um, natural, like where their defenses and their, and their um, health is at its optimal, just from natural behaviors. Like um, I will, you know, there were times when I, you know, you get tired of monitoring your children all the time, you know? And so I paid badly whenever I'm like, you know what, whatever, eat whatever you want here. You want that? Sure. Eat it. You know, and it's like, you want that candy? Fine. Sure. Go for it. And there's times you get so tired from doing that. But what ended up happening is because of my lack of awareness of how they were sleeping, how they were pooping, how and what things were eating and at what time they were eating. I mean, Ayurveda goes much deeper than that. But those are the that's like the tip of the iceberg, right? Just shifting that has been huge for, for me be, to be able to maintain their health, getting them to sleep at the same time every night and waking them up at the same time and not letting them eat certain foods in winter and letting them eat them only in summer or something like that has been huge. Um, you know, they were like sick for ever last, that last, um, fall. And I finally, after months of them suffering, I took them, you know, to the regular doctor and then 
my oldest one, I took her to an Ayurvedic practitioner as well, who gave me some really key interesting things that I didn't, that I hadn't realized that could really help her like the grapes thing, you know, like take the grapes away, take the, uh, actually orange juice was something we took away from her um, in the, in the wintertime stuff because they were really affecting her, her belly and her ability to process foods. It was too cooling for her. And she was maintaining all this mucus in her chest. That was crazy. Um, and just removing little small things like that, like don't give them so many crackers and like, you know, dried foods right now. Her, her, she's really dried out. You need to give her things that are a little more moisture full so that she can, you know, so in addition to the Western things that we had her, so we made sure that she was fine other than just having a bad cold and bad, like she had bad upper, upper respiratory stuff happening. We just made different choices for her. And I taught her and I said, listen, you need to drink more of this water. I'm sorry we can't give you this food right now, but it's because we want you to feel better. And she now can start to feel her own body and she can understand that. And it's been so much better for all of us. And for I, me, especially to sleep. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, do, so, I, I, yeah. I can buy this. Like, it, it, this makes sense to me. And like I said, it, it sounds like common sense. A lot of the things you just described weren't, it's not witch doctoring. It's you know, no. basic associations and correlations that apparently have some kind of historical, you know, um, proof, we'll say. Yeah. And, and also, you know, yeah. And the other thing too, is that in in Ayurveda, it's not everything for everybody. Like I am what you would call, and I'm not going to get into all of this discussion, but I'm um, what you would call a Vata Pitta. And Vata is basically governed by the air element and Pitta governed by the fire element. And all of us are kind of a mixture of these three sort of personality types, if you will, if you want to get it at that level. And so I have tendencies Whenever I'm out of balance, my out of balance goes into anxiety, fear, cold. Um, and um, so those are the first things that happen to me when I'm out of balance. First things. So in order for me to stay settled, I need to be warm. I need to drink warm water. I need to keep myself moisturized. I need to stay like, you know, basically grounded. Being grounded is huge for me. So everything that I do to keep me grounded has got to happen before anything else. If I am in too much wind, I get out of whack. Um, And you just start to kind of notice these things. There's people who, when they are out of balance, um, who are a little bit more fiery, like a, a pitta type person who is governed by fire. When they're out of balance, they would be more angry. Like that's what they would, they would. The first feeling would be of anger, um, just, just yelling at your face, just pissed off, ruddy faced. You could see it in their face a lot, and so they would need to find things that are cooling, so they wouldn't be eating like pepperoni pizza with jalapenos on top of it, because that would totally aggravate what's already happening in their bodies, you're adding fire to fire. So you'd have to get some more cooling type things, give them some cucumber, you know, drinks and things like that, celery and grapes, <laughs> you know, stuff like that, where it starts to cool them. Everything has a quality. And, um, you, you know, so you kind of can assess yourself a little bit more, you know, what works for you. So when I travel, that's why I travel and I try to stay very calm. I know that I'm going to probably not be constipated because that's what happens to me every time I travel. So I need to be able to make sure that I'm eating foods that are going to be easily digestible for my body when I travel. Because if not, I'm going to come home and get sick right away. That's a proven thing. Not everybody goes through this, though. 
So <laughs> I'll admit that that a lot of that section right there did sound <laughs> woo woo to me, but you ended oh. with something I can totally relate to. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and and yeah, and I think it's really hard to understand because because you don't understand. It's like a it's a lab it, it's labeling the thing. It's kind of giving a definition to the different types of processes um, that we have in our bodies. So inherently there are things inside of the way that our body works. Like if you would think breath, do you think that breath is more like air or more earth? I would think that breath is more air. (laughs) You know what I mean? There are things that are dense, like muscles that are a little bit heavier in the way that they feel. And so when you start to study the qualities around everything, everything has an essence. And so you start to figure out, oh, that kind of feels like this. And I'm only setting that seed in your brain so that next time, like say you eat something or you, you know, you go outside and there's a a certain quality that you feel in the air um, or the temperature to see like what, you know, how does that make me feel? And what are the essential qualities of this part here. We have that. I don't know if you've ever gone into a room where you feel uncomfortable because somebody's giving you really weird vibes and you're like, oh, what is what is that? Right. You get that. I feel that. in so so yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, or you walk into a room and somebody just had a fight and you kind of sense that that's what happened. And you're like, well, something happened here. Right. You can sense that. So what Ayurveda does is it attunes your ability to understand that in a logical level so that you can go, oh, it's because of this, this, and this. That's why that felt that weird. Yeah. So, you know, that that's it. It's really just basic stuff like that that will help you. Because I, honestly, the reason I started to do this because I was sick of getting sick. I was sick of not feeling well. I was sick of, of, of having, you know, weird things happened to me where I was like, you know, too many mu- too much mucus. I couldn't go to the bathroom properly. I couldn't do this. I was sneezing all the time. So it's like, how do I make that stop? Is this who I am? Or as I say in AA, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Yeah. So then you kind of, re- yeah, totally. So then you go like, oh, if I stop that, maybe that will stop this. Right. But, it, but what's lovely about Ayurveda is that it's not all the same. So what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. And because we have is, different constitutions. That That is um, appealing to me. Uh, that is not yeah. a Western philosophy. But no. I feel like you and Jen Bear from episode 173 and Dr. <laughs> Pam from episode 172 should have a podcast. Uh, maybe just like even if it was just an episode, I would love to hear the three of you talk. It would be kind of fascinating. Oh, I know. Right. Because we have like, like all this. I've had a run recently of, <laughs> of, of all of that. Yeah. And, Eastern health and Western health and health in general, I guess. Yeah. So, okay. We're, we're past an hour. Do you have time to do top three picks? Yeah, let's do it. I totally want to. All right. Okay. I have dogs barking now and I don't know why. That's all right. Dogs are good. Can you hear that? Is that coming through in the recording? A little bit. A little bit. But, but there's a difference between what I hear in my ears and what your mic is capturing. (laughs) I have learned that. See, <laughs> I've heard the mic is much more forgiving than my headphones. It um, is. Okay. So back and forth, three picks. I'll let okay. you start. 
All right. So I'm currently obsessed with Overdrive. Do you know this? This is like a app and also it's like a, a, a web service. It is. I did not know this existed. This is part of the library system, I believe. And and I'm not sure if it's like, I don't know who runs it or whatever, but there's an app for this and I'll give you links for this stuff, but you can find it over at overdrive.com, one word. And the reason I love this is because I am obsessed with audiobooks and um, you can, in audition, I'm an, uh, into Audible and stuff like that. I found myself buying books that I that I was only buying because I really just like to listen to some books sometimes that have no impact in my life. Like not because I want to learn something new. I just want to listen to a book, right? A fun story. And I was like, well, I keep buying these books. I'm never going to listen to this again. And it's like wasting money. I felt, I wish I could just return them. That's what I thought. And I'm like, Hey, overdrive. So in overdrive, it's the, it's the library. The library runs it like your library. And you can go and borrow books and then listen and give them back. So I've been obsessed with this. So now I get to listen to all of the books that I have been reticent to listen to because I didn't want to buy the book because I thought it was like, why would I want to buy it? You know, so um, so now I'm, I'm I love it so much. I listen to so many books like mystery books and thrillers that I'm obsessed with. And it's just lovely. What an amazing service. Our libraries are awesome. And Overdrive is killer. So if you can't afford Audible, do Overdrive. You'll you'll not be, you will love it. It's so, so what cool. What is the cost on this? Nothing. It's free. Really? You yeah, you just go. Do you have a library card? Yes. I that's do it. have a library card. And you can use different ones. So I have my library, I inputted it in my library card for Pittsburgh and I have a library card for North Carolina. So I can use them both. So if I don't find a book in one library, I can go find the book in the other library. Of course, they don't have everything, but you can still borrow them. And sometimes you put books on hold because some, which is weird. I don't understand that. I don't get that concept, but whatever. So you have to put, there's sometimes like you, you're like in line. So if you can't borrow a book right away, which I don't understand because they're digital <laughs> it copies. It doesn't make sense. No. Right? It makes no sense to me either. So, but sometimes you have to put books on hold and then you, you got to wait. You're going to be next or whatever. You can find out like you're, there's five people ahead of you or whatever. I don't know how that works. But anyway, you can go borrow them, put them on hold or put them on a wish list and you can easily just listen to whatever you've ever wanted to do. And if you don't like the book, you could just return it. And you don't waste any money, and it's free. Yeah, no, I'm totally into this. I I love it. I've been enjoying. Uh, I'm a Prime Amazon Prime member, and I just recently got a Kindle, and every month I can check out a book. Uh, like there, you know, there's one option. I think totally. But, you can do that with Overdrive, like this too. It's yeah. audiobooks and eBooks. I like the idea a lot. So I like cool. it. It's a yeah. clunky. The app's a little clunky. It's a little hard to nav. It's not particularly optimal. Like the I would Audible say app a lot is of Kindle too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. So I haven't read any ebooks on this app, but I have to say it's a little bit a little bit clunky, but it's so worth it for the functionality that it gives me. And there's something really awesome when you put a book on hold, and you get an email, and it goes, "Your book, you." it's, it's come in or whatever. And you're like, Oh my God, it's so exciting. Even though it's like, 
it's just fun. I just find it so cool when I get a new book and it's been I've been on hold waiting for the book for so long. When um, when and where do you listen to audiobooks? All the time. Do you listen all when you're going to sleep? Yes. Do you ever get annoyed with the fact that you can't figure out where you were in the book when you fell asleep? I just go back 30 minutes. I put the sleeper <laughs> for 30 minutes. I just go back for 30. I need to or get 20. that. Yeah, so that's what I do. I'm like, boop, 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 20 minutes back. Usually I'm out in like 10 minutes. Because it's so, weird for me because I will remember, like it will infiltrate my dreams. So when I try to rewind yeah. to the point where I was, I'll remember it vaguely. Yeah. But and I won't be able to tell where I actually lost track of a storyline. Yeah, that would be weird that. if they would totally like have like something inside of your brain. They're like, oh, he is in sleep. Well, there are sleep Beep. trackers. Bookmark. There are sleep trackers, like even just That's things true. that detect movement and whatnot. I, I assume at some point someone has already figured out. I should look this up. But how, how to, to make tell it when stop? you've actually... Yeah, you fell asleep. <laughs> that would be so nuts. Gonna just rewind five minutes and pause. That would be cool. Or but better yeah. yet, add a bookmarker and then let it keep playing. Oh, see, that would be nice too. Yeah. Just like fade but out I, over like five to ten minutes. That Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I hate it up. when I... I hate it when I forget to put the timer on and all of a sudden the book is over and I'm yeah. like, oh, crap. I did that with The Martian. I fell asleep on chapter three and the oh, whole no. thing played. I woke up and it was on the almost the end. And Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so bad. I did rewind. Oh, man. Wow. All right. Okay. Your turn. Yeah, I'm into this. I hadn't heard of it. So my first pick is going to be an app called Mood Notes. I've been using Exist, which I mentioned before, and the developer has been on this show, but um, Mood Notes is an app for iOS that lets me simply capture a mood, but with detail. So I can say, okay, hmm. hey, I'm in a good mood, but then it'll ask me, like, which of these feelings fit your mood? And you can set a percentage on the options and say, okay, well, I'm 20% oh. you know, excited but I'm also 30% anxious, you know, which is a very different thing than being 100% excited and not anxious. Um, right. Then you can start to track these over time and see graphs and, and quantification of your moods. And this is something that I've always resorted to medication to just control my moods and recently got right. tired of not knowing for sure what was medication and what was me. Um, uh-huh. And while I'm not, I didn't like just quit medication. I am looking to quantify and understand how things affect me. And the biggest, the biggest aspect of that for me first is tracking the mood and then applying all of the circumstantial evidence to figure out why I was in that mood. So that's cool. This app for four bucks is is a very detailed way to I keep a mood diary of sorts. You can add food to that. Oh, absolutely. And sleep. That would be really neat because that way you could see you could start to see correlations. Oh, when I yeah, eat pepperoni the, pizza. <laughs> that is the first thing that I want to start <laughs> tracking that I am not currently is every single thing I eat. Even like yeah. just quick snacks I grab out of the kitchen. I want to know five hours later, how did that granola bar affect me? 
Yeah, totally. And that takes more than just one one test. So yeah, but this kind of tracking is becoming vital to me. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Yay. All right, number two. Number two. Um, I have a, this actually helped me out last year when I was talking to you about my daughter that got kind of sick. One of the things that the um, Ayurvedic doctor mentioned was like, try having a diffuser in the house. I was like, okay, whatever. Oh my God, I love my diffuser. So I have a diffuser. It's very simple. Like he had it in his office and he goes, this is one of the best. See, whenever you buy some of these things, you never know what to get. Sort of like a juicer. Like <laughs> there's so many different juicers. So Which ones should I juicers. get? And there's so many bad juicers, right? And diffusers are kind of the same. So diffusers are are like, you just put a little bit of water in it and then you put um, essential oils in it, basically. And it just makes your, your room smell nice. Um, and so this diffuser is from Now Foods. Now Foods Ultrasonic Real Bamboo Diffuser. It's about 40 bucks, I think. Um, and it's been great. I love it. I carry it with me wherever we go. Um, and then I put essential oils in it because I'm going to, I'm actually going to send you a link to one of the oils that's really nice. And I think it'll benefit a lot of people. Um, it's called the forest blend from Floricopia. And there's a lovely video by Dr. David Crow who describes what and how helpful it is for your, um, respiratory system to diffuse oils that come from trees um and so it's it's really a beautifully made video he's an incredible incredible um doctor uh of 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 herbology basically um also a chinese medicine doctor and and he also knows ayurveda very much and his but his whole sole focus is on um flower medicine flower and plant medicine uh, and he describes things in a way that has been incredibly impactful. I've been following him for, gosh, over a decade. He's amazing. And, and Floricopia, if, even if it's just because it, may, it smells pretty, it's a great company support. It's really awesome. So the diffuser, um, I have it in here, actually, and it just, it's been really nice to be able to support just making things nice, especially when you're going to a place that's not your home. Or if I go in, we, went, we traveled so much this summer um, in hotel rooms. I would just take the diffuser out and put it out. And it was so nice because it made the room smell like our house. <laughs> it's very calming, but it's lovely. It's a lovely little thing to have in your, in your, your book, not bookshelf, but in your medicine shelf, if you will, especially when cold season and flu season are coming up. Doesn't ever hurt things. It can only help. So, so I'm looking at a picture of this. How big is it? I it's li it's actually the dimension it would be okay it's about the size of um an 18 ounce maybe a little smaller okay, 16 no, okay, ounce I just found it. the one that i'm looking at is actually 8.3 ounces four by four by 7.7 .7 inches does that sound right four by four by four yeah it's actually more like a it's more like a cylinder yeah to me it looks like the size yeah it looks like the size of like uh i would say like a 16 to 18 ounce like coffee <laughs> yeah. but like wide but thicker so like really it does fit thing. on a small shelf yes and it does fit on I, a small I looked it up because yeah. you it had real bamboo in the title and i was trying to figure out what that meant but it is actually made out of bamboo yeah, the outside of it is bamboo. The inside of it has a little like rubbery thingy majigger where you can put you put the water and stuff. Yeah. 
So, I think I I think bamboo might be my new favorite material as of the last. That's year. nice. Love bamboo. All it's my so cutting boards nice. are bamboo now. I wish I had bamboo floors. It's so oh. strong and so renewable, and I love it. It is. It's lovely. <laughs> love bamboo. Love bamboo. Oh, so, I feel like um, a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> Yoga and bamboo. What happened to me? Yoga and bamboo. All right. So my second pick is an app that I still I, I I mentioned it on my blog, and I'm kind of fascinated with it. I actually haven't tried it yet, so I am I'm qualifying with that. But I have heard great things from people who bought it on my recommendation. Because they Ooh. trust my opinion for whatever reason. Um, Wait, see, I, I do. I we could honestly have a whole conversation about trust and and what I've done over my career to not lose trust. As I watch mm-hmm. people around me make mistakes, that literally once you lose trust once, if you're a blogger or a podcaster, yeah, you're you're over. So yep. I've <laughs> I've been extremely careful, and I feel like I've earned that. So. I do appreciate the people who have written to say that this is an amazing app. It's called Note Plan, and hmm. it's a markdown calendar to do and note system. What? And yeah, so it has like a graphical interface, and it looks like you're using calendar or reminders or whatever, but you're working in markdown, much the way like Task Paper does. And I'm uh-huh. I'm still a huge Task Paper fan. Um, so I need to spend it's an $18 app which is not an impulse purchase for me um right so i it's on my to buy list when it when it comes up in my uh my budget list um but yeah you can create events you can create tasks you can create notes and bring it all together storing it as plain text which you're probably aware is like almost a prerequisite for me when switching to a a new task or or event management system. Oh, totally. But this gives you an interface that provides all the benefits of working in some of the native Apple apps or even some of the more advanced uh, calendar and to-do apps, even project management. It looks amazing. That's awesome. Very, very nice. I'm going to have to check that out. I don't know if I'll purchase it right away, but I will definitely check it out. Keep it in mind. Right. I know. I'm always like, I just put them on a little list, and when I'm ready, I have when a I'm ready, I'm ready. List, a private pinboard list called "To Buy." Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I do that too. I, but see, my next purchase is going to be Ulysses um, for iOS. Mm. So, that's worth it. Been, I can vouch. So I've been, yeah. So I've been, yeah. So that's like my ne- that's next on the list. So I once, uh, well, so we'll see. <laughs> awesome. All right, your last book. Uh, the last one is um, my beloved Zoom H2N, which you are hearing me speak in right now. So I, because again, because I'm a podcaster, but I, but again, when I advise people on podcasting, I really, really, especially women, because most of us have to do a lot of juggling and most of us don't really have a dedicated studio, at least the women that are, are my peers we tend to have to be almost anywhere recording. Um, and a lot of the people that come to me come to me because I am a mom. And so I have to juggle all of these different things. Like, how do you do that? How do you do this? So the H2N is a digital recorder. Um, it is done by the Zoom, the Zoom people who do lots of really fun, 
fun digital recorders and there's some that are really, 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 really much better than the one that I have right now. But let me tell you why the Zoom H2N works for me. I use it as my USB microphone. That's what I use. So I just stick it on the side of the computer and it's a condenser microphone. It sounds incredibly well. I do a lot of voiceover work on it too. I've never had a complaint from it. Um, it it's inc- I'm, I'm amazed by the sound quality. And then what I do is that it, it's really easy to carry. It's super, super light. I carry it in a little bag. And then I put a little um, tripod underneath it to make it my my little microphone stand. Sure. And and it comes, you know, with a little puffy thing. So the pop filter, whatever, comes Wind in screen. there. Windscreen. Yeah, the little puffy, the spongy yeah, thing. Love screen. that thing. <laughs> so... I carry it almost everywhere. But the other thing that I love is that I have the ability to record straight into my computer if I want to do something like what we're doing right now to record. Or if I need to record really quickly and I have no place to go, I can just grab my H2N, get myself into a closet, (laughs) sit down and record in there just with the little H2N and I'm done. So it has onboard storage. Yes, it does. You have to have an SD card um, to have it in there. And it, it's just, it's incredible because of the way that it's, it's set up. So I don't have to keep switching things. Like if I only had one, if I had a, a, a microphone, whether it's, you know, USB or XLR or whatever, I wouldn't be able to just grab my stuff and take it into the closet unless I had a digital recorder or put it out. You know, there's right. all of these extra layers. And for my lifestyle, this works so well. And it's like, very inexpensive. It's I think it runs in between like 150 to 170. And if you get the little extra bonus features po- packet, which gives you the it comes with a little tripod and a little case and and a pop filter in it, and you can get that for less than $200. For me, it's been unbelievable. I mean, I can record almost anywhere. And I know how to set myself somewhere. I usually record on the floor. Um, and I put pillows all around me, wherever it is that I am, I just will do that. So it's been handy dandy. Every client that I have, I'm like, you need to get the H2N. So that's my my weird thing for the podcasting space because I'm probably one of the only people that uses it as their microphone and as a recording thing. (laughs) I'm kind of fascinated by it because your your audio sounds great. And I do, I love the option of it being a standalone recorder with, and I'm looking at the Amazon page and- it's got uh, A, B, repeat, file dividing, normalize, all of these options for Inside. handling audio, including yep. low-cut filter, compression, and limiter, auto gain, pre- all the stuff that yep. you would do in Logic after you record. That's kind of uh, – and and it costs less than a Rode podcaster. I, yes, it I'm, does. I'm intrigued. Uh, they show I it at like 160. It Go ahead. You like it because no, – I like it because it has some of those settings. So whenever, like, I really, the limiter is actually something that I use a lot of. I don't use most, well, I, I think I just, I put the settings in when I got it and I just kind of leave it alone. Like, I haven't shifted it. I use one of the microphones because it has four built-in type of type of mics that are in there. So, it, but it's it's helped me a lot. And I have to say, you know, when you were, we were you're, you're talking about the dogs barking and all that stuff, I have had many times with girls screaming, screaming in the background. And I'm like, this is going to suck so <laughs> bad. You know, and I'm like, shut up, children. <laughs> and then when I hear back my recording, I can't hear them. So 
that's one of the reasons I don't want to change because I'm like, it's weird that it's a condenser microphone, which are usually more sensitive mm-hmm. and pick up more stuff. But for whatever reason, the microphones in this specific one have served me so well without having to buy all of the extra stuff. So meaning I don't have to have the audio panels. I don't have to be in a very specific location. I can really, it's just made my audio sound decent for so many different opportunities, particularly like voiceover work that I've done. I've been really impressed that nobody's like gone, hey, we need a better, we need better audio from you. (laughs) So I'm like, cool, it's working. So uh, No, I'm very I'm intrigued by this. I assume you're not recording in four channel surround mode because no. streaming in the background would be kind of fascinating in surround no, sound, but probably not marketable. No, I do not have it set up <laughs> into that. No, I do not. But but for the record, it does have a two channel and four channel surround recording mode. Yes, it also does. fascinating for uh for purposes outside of podcasting. Yeah. Wow. All right. You, you've turned me on to something entirely new for the second time now. <laughs> Good. Yay. Oh, we'll say third time. Third time. I'm not looking for a diffuser, but my wife is into the essential oils. So, well, she might enjoy it. So that would be nice. It's pretty decent. And if you, you know, if you check it out, some, well, but I'm it's just really- stubborn. So I probably appreciate it as well, but. <laughs> Uh, all right so my last pick is a company that makes greeting cards and i have fallen in love with it it's pretty much the only i I generally send emails more than i send greeting cards but if i'm Mm -hmm. going to send a card for an, an occasion i get it from love pop love pop and mm. they make these uh, paper cutout cards that when you open them, basically like pop children's pop-up book, things come out. Intricately cut paper pop-ups. Uh, if you go to love wow. pop, lovepopcards.com right now, you'll see what I'm talking about so we can discuss this. Okay. <laughs> but All totally right. worth it. They Every month almost, they come out with new designs. There are uh, very holiday and event specific oh my gosh how cute oh they're amazing and for they're so beautiful the uh for yeah for like 15 bucks which is granted (gasps) way more than a hallmark card but it almost becomes a present on its own it's a present my mom always puts them out on the table by the door so you walk in and there's you know uh i think the last one i gave her was a thanksgiving turkey or a flower basket or something they are they're awesome I, I oh my gosh i have bought probably 20 of these at this point and i am constantly impressed with them i love these i just signed up for their newsletter <laughs> there's there's even one that has like uh, my wife came home from a deployment where she was uh th- there were cats involved no no i got her one that was a cat tower like a play system with three cats on it batting hanging uh bobbles or and but we have three cats and she had missed the cats and when she got home i had a card for her that had the three cats it it was it goes over well it looks like a lot of thought into things but for 15 bucks you can just make it look like you 
put a lot of thought into things. Ah, oh, lovely. <laughs> These are awesome. And and the holidays are coming up. This is going to be great for our like holiday gift um, guide that right. we do for She Podcast. We have like one, it's a super fun episode that we do. So this would, will probably would, go in there. I would ask you to recommend it to everybody. Oh, it's so nice. I love it. Wow. Awesome. Yay. These are great. All right. So no. we'll call that end of show at yes. like an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, my God. You've been fun, apparently. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so you can be found on Twitter at YoGeek. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. Usually you can find me almost anywhere um, at YoGeek or at YoGeek Girl. So if one's taken, I'll just <laughs> add the girl to the to the back. But um, yeah, yeah, YoGeek, yeah. I do love consistency. And then I would guess that your primary website would be shepodcast.com. Do you have anything else you want to list? Uh, yeah, she po- lcescobar.com, even though that's been like, you know, I don't update it. It's just, it's just say, there Google for the moment. Do, Google brought up She Podcast before. Yeah, LC well, LC Escobar, I, I have not touched it. I mean, it's just there. I feel bad. <laughs> I have like website shame, not because it's ugly, but because I just haven't dealt with it. Like, I just don't have time, you know, and then she podcast. Yeah, I'm just I'd rather I'd rather podcast than, up, you know, keep an update on websites and stuff. So fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I, so, I need to hire someone to do all that for me. Yeah, I can't. I don't have time for that. Man, there was this whole discussion about bandwidth where like when I finally got my meds back and got back on track and started the yoga and started the meditation, I suddenly thought I could conquer everything. So I agreed to everything and discovered that I don't have unlimited bandwidth, but that's like a whole nother thing. Oh, yeah. And then you also have uh, the feed. on The feed. Yeah. If you see that. Yeah, I would say that even if you just do the, because um, we don't have a standing page um, for and the website, but maybe just in iTunes, you have to search for the feed Libsyn L I B S Y N because, interestingly enough, there are two other podcasts called the feed as well. That seems feasible. Yeah, but, well, they're completely different. One of them is social media, and the other one's food. Well, there's another so, podcast called Systematic, and it's religion. So, oh my gosh, really? That's weird. So, <laughs> wow, crazy. So yeah, a link to that would be awesome because it's it actually that is my one of my favorite shows because it's so it's so opinionated. I'm really into opinions. I like it when people like tell like they're not too PC where there's like something like there's something being discussed that is is an opinion that they feel something for something. And my um, my co-host for the feed is incredibly opinionated about podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Often to a little bit to a, a little bit too much, you know, but he does. But I like that because he doesn't hold back. You know, he's critical. He has opinions and he tells you why. And he also apologizes if he oversteps the boundary, <laughs> you know, but I, I kind of dig that because most people are like, well, wishy washy, wishy washy. So I'm jealous of people who have opinions because I feel like you have to be very confident in a topic to have an opinion. That's Although true. I come across as having opinions a lot when really I'm just asking questions because I don't I don't know how to communicate in a debate very well. But <laughs> neither do I. I am jealous of people who actually can say, Oh, I have strong opinions about that. All right. Yeah. Awesome. And I am at Brett and 
uh, basically uh, ESF dot ESN dot FM slash <laughs> and by the time this show airs in the show notes, you will find an email for me, uh, possibly a voicemail number and a Slack channel because oh I'm taking God. advice. We're going to build a community. We so are. And community. I'll participate. Yay. Excellent. I'll participate. So fun. All right. Well, thank you for being here, Elsie. You are so welcome. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a blast. Um, and we will see everybody in a week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.